off and the clock has started. This is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. That's right. Welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to uh, this particular episode of my podcast. I'd also like to thank this uh, this show's announcer, Carrie. Great job, Carrie. Thanks for not laughing. Before we get going in today's topic, I like to talk about you, the listeners. This podcast is about six, seven weeks old, and I get statistics from my hosting service, and they let me know that uh, I'm now heard in, uh, I have listeners from five different countries, the United States, Canada, uh, Great Britain, Italy, and New Zealand. I know that doesn't seem like very much to you, but to me it does, because I thought I'd only have like three listeners, and one of those three was my wife. So I'm kind of excited about that. Also, I know that the listening locations are 38 different cities. And here in the United States, they range from the West Coast, uh, San Francisco, to uh, listeners in New York on the East Coast, and in four different cities in those other countries that I mentioned. So thank you very much for that. I really, honest, I'm not kidding. I appreciate you listening. It makes it all worthwhile. Uh, Without any further ado, I think now it's time to get into today's show. You probably saw by the title, since you clicked on it, it's The Great Outdoors. You know, there's nothing like the great outdoors. Now, I'm not talking just any outdoors, not outdoors like your front door or your apartment door. I'm talking the great outdoors, you know, mountains, trees, lakes, bears, raccoons. Now, I'm coming to you from the uh, state of California. We have an abundance of national parks and state parks here, including but not limited to uh, Yosemite National Park. I love the outdoors. I love going to Yosemite. But I've noticed something. As my years have advanced, and we'll just leave it at that, I've observed that the older you get, the great outdoors becomes more of an observational experience and far less participatory. And you say, what do you mean, Doug? Well, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you participate in the gray outdoors. You'll throw on a backpack, you'll lace up your hiking boots, and you head off into the wilderness. You're going to conquer that mountain range. You're going to blaze a new trail somewhere, and you're going to find Bigfoot. And when you're a little older, and again, I'll let you determine what age you think that is, you become more at peace with, you know, hiking the 20 feet to a sign that says photo spot. Yeah, when I was younger, I did the backpacking thing. I hiked for hours to some lake in the middle of the mountains, set up camp, roughed it with all the elements. That was fun. Then, and now I am uh, very okay with driving to a national park. You know, parking, getting out of the car, and walking up a beautiful fence-lined path through the uh, forest that leads to an informational sign. I'll read what it says, and that's usually followed by a wow or huh. That's amazing. I might even take a picture. But that's right. That's that's how I, I do the great outdoors now. And I'm okay with that. Don't judge. I'll leave the outdoor participation to uh, you youngins out there. And young is however old you want it to be. I am not judging. But don't judge me that I like finding that nice little photo spot and taking a picture. Since I mentioned Yosemite, uh, here's a side note. It's a little bit about our national parks. And you know how it goes. I did the research so you don't have to. The United States has 62 protected areas known as national parks. And these are operated by the National Park Service, which is a part of the Department of the Interior. 
National parks must be established by an act of Congress. Yellowstone National Park was America's first national park, and it was signed into law by President Ulysses S. Grant in 1872. Twelve years later, in 1890, uh, one of the more recognized national parks, Yosemite, was established. Now, California has the most national parks with nine, and that's followed by Alaska with eight, Utah has five, and Colorado has four national parks. The largest national park is the Wrangell St. Elias in Alaska, and that's 8 million acres. Comprehend that one. It's larger than each of the nine smallest states in this country. The next three largest parks are also in Alaska. Kind of makes sense. It's a huge state. The smallest national park is Gateway Arch National Park in Missouri, and that's 192 acres. I don't think I can qualify that as the great outdoors, but that's the smallest one. The total area protected by national parks is approximately 52.5 million acres, and that's an average of 870,000 acres per park. If I were to ask you what the most visited national park is, you'd probably be wrong. That's okay. I was surprised to learn this too. Totally off base on this one. It's not Yellowstone or Yosemite. And it's not even the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is actually number two with 5.9 million visitors in 2019. The most visited national park is the Great Smoky Mountain National Park in North Carolina and Tennessee. In 2019, 12.5 million people snapped pictures there. By contrast, Yosemite had 4 million visitors last year. And I'm pretty sure they were all there on the day that I tried to visit. But let's get back to experiencing the great outdoors. And for the sake of this discussion, we'll be talking like we're going to go camp out in the great outdoors at a campsite. Not the backpacking kind, but the kind where you drive your car up and you unload and set up your tent and your campsite. And amongst all the bugs and the dirt and the trees and the pine cones and needles and raccoons, you get the idea. Once you decided to go camping, the reason you chose camping was probably to answer the question, hey, where should we go to sleep somewhere else? And the answer is probably one of these reasons. Now, first, there is tradition. Some activities are passed on from generation to generation, and camping is usually one of them. You know, your parents did it, uh, their parents did it, you're doing it, you're dragging your kids along to do it, and when they're grown up, they'll do it, etc., etc. Another reason, maybe you just want to explore nature. Now, camping certainly is, uh, let's say, an immersive experience. You definitely are in the elements. There's the smell of the trees. There's the birds. There's the weather. You might see wildlife in their natural settings, and people will go there to see natural features like Half Dome. And speaking of seeing wildlife, if you'll permit me to sidetrack here for just a minute, um, I guess I, you don't need to permit me. I'm, I can do it anyway, but then you always have the option of hitting stop. So let's just, let's just roll with it over here, okay? Speaking of wildlife, I finally saw a bear. That is a big deal. And you're saying to yourself, why? Well, the reason is because for years and years when I've gone camping, uh, been places with people, everybody else sees the bear except for moi. Uh, we were up in Alaska with a family, and we were outside and they yelled, hey, look, there's a bear. 
my first reaction is to yell where they all start pointing at the bear area and I end up spinning around like a top on Christmas. And then they said, never mind, it's gone. Another time was also up in Alaska. We were on the ship floating up the, um, the river there in Alaska and the uh, National Park Service on board who was giving commentary and all the things people were seeing said, and ladies and gentlemen, if you look on the port side of the ship, you'll see a brown bear walking along the river. Yeah, I guess it was on the starboard side. And by the time I got across the ship to go see where the bear was, the ranger said, there, now you've seen a bear. Yeah, guess who didn't? But three weeks ago, I was up in the high Sierra, driving up there by a Bass Lake to be specific, and a bear crossed the road right in front of me. I stopped the car. He ran across the road, stopped and looked at me. I have now seen a bear. Thank you very much. I may now check that off my list. I'm sorry if I digressed, but it was important to me. I saw a bear. Uh, another reason maybe is to improve your health. Now, according to medical professionals, camping does a body and mind some good. The physical demands of camping in the backcountry certainly count as exercise, but any kind of camping has health benefits, according to those medical professionals. Some are straightforward, like setting up camp or hiking, and mental health certainly improves when you're outside. Researchers have linked outdoor activity to a decrease in depressive thoughts. Sleeping under the stars helps get you in touch with your natural circadian rhythms, and that's a foundation for better sleep. Uh, also, sleeping under the stars can get you very wet if it starts raining overnight. Just saying. And lastly, another reason why people may decide to go camping is for a, uh, we'll, we'll just call a digital detox. There's no Wi-Fi in the mountains. There's no cell service. So you go there to turn all that off. You don't want to hear it anymore. Turn your phone off. Put it in your glove compartment of your car. You're not going to be on it anymore. It's a chance to kind of cleanse yourself from that finger thing on the on the texting people all the time and face placing and all that nonsense. Get away from it all. Go to the mountains. Perfect. So those are some of the reasons why people go camping. And we're going to take a short break right here. And when we come back, we're going to go over some of the pitfalls of camping out in the great outdoors. It's, I'm doing this just to help you out. So listen to this and I will be right back. Take some Tootsie Roll Pops camping with you because apparently they're triple good. <laughs> okay, as my public service to you, I'm going to tell you some of the pitfalls and tips that will help you think that you made the right decision about this year's vacation and the great outdoors versus staying at a beachside resort in, with the afternoon wine tasting. First of all is getting there, uh, wherever that is. This is also the first place where things can go wrong. Generally speaking, the failure comes uh, in the packing phase. You know, you make a list of what to take, but you inevitably leave something off the list. 
And then halfway there, you get the sinking feeling, uh, uh-oh, you know, like a pillow. Yeah, oh, sure, you can try rolling up your jacket and use that as a pillow. But you and I both know how that's going to end up in the middle of the night. Or even worse, you forgot to pack matches or a lighter to start the campfire. You end up grabbing two sticks of wood and trying grubbing them together like you see on TV. But trust me, that only works on TV because all you end up with are blisters and a cold can of beans to eat. And that's assuming you remember to pack a can opener. Okay, so you're finally at your campsite. And sure, as fun as tent camping is, it's not without its uh, drawbacks. Let's face it, sleeping on the ground can be uh, downright uncomfortable. So once you've staked out an area where you're going to set up your tent, you want to clear that area, brush away all the pine cones and move those rocks. And trust me, that little tiny rock you leave behind will turn into a boulder in the middle of the night, guaranteed. It's nature's way of jacking with you. You know, something happens to that rock overnight, it becomes a boulder. You might want to think about an air mattress, but consider this. Overnight, the air will all escape from that mattress and you'll once again be laying on that boulder uh, or maybe that just happens to me, because it did. If your tent is new, be sure to practice putting it up and taking it down and packing it up before you ever leave home. You know, tents these days all have those flexible poles and ropes and grommets, and when you take them out of the bag, they look like a giant cat's cradle puzzle. Um, but save yourself some aggravation. Set it up beforehand at home, you know, where there's a liquor cabinet. And at your campsite, whatever you do, Set your tent up at the highest part of the campsite because it often rains overnight in the mountains. And that's why the trees are so big. Okay, there's other reasons why they're so big. Anyway, and if you set it up downhill because you wanted to be closer to the sound of the creek, remember that's where all the rainwater goes and you with it, you will wake up floating in a nylon covered bathtub. And one last thing, if you are going to be camping in a buggy area with mosquitoes and flies, make sure you keep your tent zipped closed during the daytime. I think you know why. And if I have to tell you why, then you just should not be camping. Just saying. Okay, now that your tent is ready to go, it's time to think about food. Well, it's, it's actually always time to think about food. Uh, camping food cooked outdoors always tastes great. It doesn't make a difference what it is. It just always tastes good out there in the trees. And maybe it's just because you're exhausted from setting up the tent. But this is very, very important. Write this down. Never, ever leave your food in your tent. If you do, two things are definitely going to happen. One, you'll no longer have a tent. And two, you will be bare food. If, <laughs> sorry, it's just the way it is. And if you like your car, do not leave your food locked in your car. Bears don't care about locks. They'll open your car like a can opener. National Park Service wildlife biologist John Waller says, store food in bear-safe containers. Coolers don't cut it in bear country, and sometimes vehicles won't either. Yellowstone has seen bears rip off car doors to get to the food inside. I hate to break it to everybody, but Yogi and Boo Boo can be real jerks sometimes. Okay, it's time to cook. Now you need to decide whether you're going to use a campfire or a camp stove. Now keep in mind some areas have campfire restrictions or they ban them entirely, while others have grills for public use. Now again, this may just be me, but I don't trust public grills. 
God only knows what's happened recently on that public grill, and I don't even want to think about what the previous campers used to put out the fire. To me, cooking on a public grill is like licking the door handle in a gas station restroom. I'm sorry, did I go too far with that? I apologize if I did, but I just want you to be safe. Go buy a cheap campfire stove. And if you can't do that, and you're bound and determined to use a public grill, then I would lay down a couple sheets of aluminum foil over the grate, and then I would wrap yourself in aluminum foil and wear a hat. I don't know why the hat, but except that I think it would uh, complete the aluminum foil ensemble. Now, you'll also need cookware, pots, pans, plates, and utensils. You might want to bring along cookware you can get from home and then use recyclable versions of the other stuff, you know, plates, utensils. Go to Taco Bell and get some of those sporks. They do a double duty. They'll help you out. Speaking of cooking, one of the best smells of all time is the smell of bacon cooking in the morning in the forest. I'm just saying, that is uh, an awesome, awesome smell. After cooking and eating, make sure you dispose of trash properly. Now, many parks have a pack-in, pack-out policy. You know, that's where if you brought it into the park, you got to take it out. Other campgrounds have bear-proof garbage cans, and they're the best uh, strategy to keep bears from joining you in your tent. During one of my camping adventures, I failed to secure the trash properly. I had grilled some beans and some uh, baby back ribs. It was a fantastic dinner. After dinner, I gathered up all the trash. I double bagged it, triple tied the bag closed, and I set it down to make one last camp check before I hit it off to the bear-proof bin. And then, well, I guess I got distracted. What? Me get distracted? Yeah, I can hear my wife laughing in the other room. Uh, when I got up the next morning, uh, the campsite looked like some sort of sacrifice took place. There were bones everywhere. Paper plates were strewn all about. It wasn't bears, but it was raccoons. And in case you don't know, raccoons can be real jerks too. Now, where does that leave us now? We've set up the campsite. We've cooked. We've cleaned up. I guess that leaves the great outdoors. I've been kind of rough on the camping part, but I just want you to be prepared. I would be remiss if I didn't explain about the rocks under your sleeping bags or how raccoons are not very tidy, and I won't even start on public grills. Now, I don't want to get all sappy here, but you're outside, away from the commotion of home. There are 52.5 million acres of national parks alone, plus millions more of state parks. So whether you're a participatory adventurer or an observational adventurer like me, go out, explore nature, increase your health, and digitally detox. Enjoy the great outdoors. Man, I think I'm going to go find my camp stove now and dust it off. And if I can't, then I'm going to go buy about 20 rolls of aluminum foil. I've climbed back off my soapbox. And now it's time to say that is going to wrap up this episode. What have we learned? We've learned there are more annual visitors to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park than Yosemite National Park. We have learned that air mattresses leak. First-hand knowledge of that one. And apparently I can be distracted. <laughs> As if you people don't already know that. I would like to thank you very much for listening. And I hope uh, you learned something and you get to go out and go camping. Until next time, this has been 20 Minutes. You will never get back. Bye-bye.
Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.